I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have the great pleasure of sitting here with Carla Hassan, who is the Chief Brand Officer of City. Hi, Carla, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm so excited to be here. I'm looking at you, and every time I sit with you in any room, I start laughing because you have this infectious smile, <laughs> just like Dara Traceder had, and um, this is going to be a fun, fun day with you, and on top of it, what huge news. I mean, literally, thank you. you just announced this yesterday, right? Just yesterday. Yeah, oh, my Late gosh. breaking. Late thank breaking. You. <laughs> oh, my God, and you have the time to be sitting with me amongst thousands of emails and phone calls and I wouldn't fans. have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank I'm you for having me. I'm really, really touched to be here with you today. I am so excited. I'm honored. And you have so much to share with everyone out there. I don't even know where to start with you because there's like thousand topics. But why don't we start first with this new news? I mean, you just announced it yesterday. Yeah. Brand new role. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm really excited. Look, I, I think after Toys R Us, I took some time off this summer to really kind of reflect on what I want to do and who I want to be, and it was really good for me. And I think that really allowed me to kind of understand where I wanted to land. And actually, just two months ago, interestingly enough, I met um, the founder of an of an organization called Global Citizen. And I hit it off really well with him, Hugh Evans, and he asked me to come be their interim head of marketing. And I thought, why not? You know, I'm start trying to figure out what I want to do. Why not? And this is an organization that is built on purpose, something that is so important to me. And so I've been doing that for the past couple of months. And uh, I think it really, really helped me crystallize what I wanted to do. And so when I thought about my next step, for me, it was really important to not just go to an organization that believes in driving performance of the business, but that also really thinks about the purpose and why they exist and the mission of why they exist. And for me, that was really, those two things culminated in in my arrival to City. It's a company, it's a brand that's been around for more than 200 years. It's iconic, it's globally known, it's got a rich history. 
but it sits in an industry that is changing rapidly, whether it's new entrants into banking, whether it's in financial services, whether it's business models that are different, the role technology plays. And I think City has really been thinking about that and been thinking about what that means for consumers very differently than, than they once did. And so for me, it was really an interesting opportunity to help build on their rich history at such a dynamic time for both the industry and the company specifically. So um, I thought those two things came together really nicely. And like I said, I'm very passionate about purpose. And not just talking about it, but really doing something about it. And so that was, like I said, very important for me to land somewhere that embodied that. And City is a company that's in its mission, is committed to enabling progress and growth in the communities that it serves, but doing it in the right way. In fact, you know, I was doing my research and I stumbled upon something that our CEO, Mike Corbett, was saying in one of the reports. And it was really, really interesting when I think about the citizen report that they put out. He was just very honest about how proud he was of the statements that they were making and the stances they were taking against some issues that are really critical in our society today, whether it's around gun violence, LGBTQ issues, voting issues, climate change. Those are really, really important. And for an organization as large as City to take a stand on those things and know that some people are going to agree with it and some people aren't, I think was really important to me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And how amazing that you were on this path. You left toys, you were exploring opportunities and you found yourself with city, but it was sort of a serendipitous path, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, absolutely. It certainly wasn't planned to meet Hugh and go to Global Citizen and (laughs) then do city, um, but it was serendipitous. And I do think this idea of me spending a little bit of time working in nonprofit and really understanding people are so passionate about changing the world. Mm -hmm. Global Citizen's mission is to end extreme poverty around the world by the year 2030. And everything they do is in service of that. And so you come to work every day with people that are so fired up about that mission. And to me, thinking about how to use marketing to drive good was really, really important and just reaffirmed my belief that I'm a purpose-driven leader. And it was really important to me. And so, but I've always been a performance-driven leader as well, (laughs) right? My entire career has been driven by building brands and businesses and helping companies drive their performance. So being able to go somewhere where I can, you know, live those two things together is is very important and certainly serendipitous because I've learned a lot. I'm now bringing a lot from a very different perspective than I had before. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what you're going to do because I, well, <laughs> A, I mean, you're just awesome. Everybody oh, loves you. you because you're so fun to work with and you're always so supportive and you've built some incredible teams over the thank years. You. I love that you said I'm a purpose-driven marketer, but I'm also a performance-driven marketer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the role of a chief brand officer versus, say, a you are a global chief marketing officer at Toys mm-hmm. R Us. Mm-hmm. How would you compare and contrast like some of the things you get to do now that you weren't able to do or is it expansion? Is it more in the same? Do you have a chief marketing officer? How does it work? So the specific role, I would look at it as it's the brand steward across the company. And so, you know, really I'll be responsible for protecting, nurturing the city brand, for leading brand strategy, uh, ensuring that the brand stories are compelling, that they're engaging, that they're consistent across the world, working very, very closely with the business and functional leaders who are also driving the business. Um, 
um, to make sure that I'm helping wherever I can and advising wherever I can. And there are, I would say, there are five pillars, if you will, to this role. The first one is around brand, whether it's storytelling or advertising or creative or visual identity. And again, working very closely with business and functional leaders to deliver on that in a consistent way. The second piece is around culture. That's the part that I really like. I I dabbled in that a little bit as a chief marketing officer of Toys R Us, but it's much more of an internal piece. It's really bringing the brand to life for our employees and really helping them to do the same with people that they connect with and engage with on a daily basis, particularly when you're talking outside of headquarters in our banks. So that for me is really exciting. Um, Sponsorships is another pillar of it. So really developing and managing all aspects of corporate sponsorships. So this is about the corporate brand and leveraging those partnerships to bring to life the story of the brand and the impact that our brand makes in communities. So that is really important to do as well. Insights and strategy. How do we use data and understanding from a consumer perspective to make smarter decisions across the board in our organization with a particular emphasis on what is the work that we're doing's impact on consumers and their feelings for our for our brand? And then I'd say finally, media, strategic media, really overseeing investments that are specific to the corporate brand um, and, and with a particular emphasis on the digital component of it. And so those are the specifically the internal mm-hmm. brand pieces, one that I think will be very, very interesting, but just the opportunity to take a beautiful brand like City and that is in a in a really, really interesting time, you know, in our society and being able to tell the stories of how we're impacting communities in a positive way to drive progress and growth in these communities. I'm really excited about that. And yeah. I'm really excited to meet the team and I'm really excited to get going. Yeah. yeah it's fun. Okay, I'm so excited too. And but you probably the piece that you said has a special place in your heart, the culture piece and internal piece. You saw me perk up a little bit in my seat when you said <laughs> did, that too, right? Because you know that's my passion yeah. point, right? I can't help but say it again. I've said this like seven times on this show, but it's so powerful because it's so simple. And there's a culture expert named Stan Slap who said, "You you can't sell it inside. You can't sell it outside." Mm-hmm. It's so simple, but it's so hard to do. And um, great collaboration across the organization. Especially Um, in a large matrixed organization. You know, I come from one at Toys R Us and one before that even larger at PepsiCo. You know, when you're talking about global roles across the board in a matrixed organization, it's, you're right. I mean, collaboration and understanding who the other person is on the other end of the phone or on the other end of the video conference, or even when you're sitting in front of them in their own market is extremely important. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to put you on the spot because that's, you know, I don't like doing that very much, but you gave me four or five really cool things to think about as part of your role. But let's zero in on the culture piece. Mm. You have to have time to work out what you're going to do. But like, what's your step one? Like, what is the first thing you would want to do? Listen, meet as many people as I can. Listen, understand what their business issues are. In every role that I've had, my success has been because I try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. I try to understand what are they dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And I ask myself the question, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, does the difference make a difference? And if it does, then we can debate about it. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then there's no need. And you can build credibility that way. But I would say the first thing I would do is listen. 
I plan on traveling around the world and, you know, meeting as many people as I possibly can and starting to, you know, build those relationships that I know are critical in a human interaction business. Okay, so let's talk about this because, you know, there's so much in here and you said it just now, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm. And we were talking earlier about empathy. And is that an inherent skill? Is it a learned skill? Is it a practice skill? Is it E, all of the above? I know you believe, because I've talked to you about this a lot, that being an empathetic leader is one of the best uh, success traits you can have mm-hmm. as a as leader. Tell Thank me you. about your philosophy and how you develop that. Yeah, so, well, I do believe that. And unfortunately, I think sometimes that swings the wrong way. I think people think because you're empathetic, that means you're too nice. And mm-hmm. because you're too nice, that means you can't be as effective as someone else. And over the long run in my career, I stand here telling you that that has been an asset for me. And gosh, if I answer your first question, do I think that it's inherent or learned or trained? Probably all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even for those of us who are like myself, that inherently it just comes so naturally. I have to train myself um, Mm -hmm. because there are different people on the receiving end of my empathy (laughs) and they they sometimes may not see things the same way I do or they may not want that kind of whatever you want to call it affection love whatever you know they may not want that and so I think even for those of us where it really comes naturally I think you've got to understand who you're talking to and what they want to receive but I think it's really important I think gone are the days when you can get things out of people without any regard for who they are or the life that they live or the things that are important to them. And it's a big balance. And Mm -hmm. I think those that don't have it are learning Mm -hmm. about it. And unfortunately, I think they learn the hard way. I think they learn by mistakes. But by the way, that's okay. I just think for me to disregard people and your employees and the role that they play and the things that they bring into a conversation and how they behave very differently potentially than you, you can't disregard that anymore. You you just can't. There are too many other options for them. There are too many other places that they could go. And so that's why for me, empathy has been so important. It's been so important. I think that's the part for me that uh, people have to be really careful with, with empathy is that it cannot be inauthentic. And so the minute someone feels like, oh, they're just trying to be, you know, Mm -hmm. nice to me or care about what I'm doing outside of here or that I come from a different background than they do, I think the minute people sniff the inauthenticity, I think it's all going to go wrong. You just have to be authentic to yourself. Some leaders, it comes naturally, and others, they've got to work harder at it. Absolutely. We were talking earlier about some of the leaders who actually have done such a great job at demonstrating empathy. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to interview several of them, like Rick Gomez. Yes. I mean, I think we even called his podcast Empathetic Leadership. One um, of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> I know. Is He's amazing. But you're right. I mean, and I did a lot of work with Shelly Zellis around unconscious bias. Another and, one of my favorite people Well, there in the you world. go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I was going super deep in that with her, it is amazing how much... Every single person in the world has unconscious bias. I think it's scientifically proven that it is impossible to not have mm-hmm. unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is awareness. You know, once you're aware, now you're accountable. Yeah. But it's getting past that awareness factor. So then there's lots you can read and there's lots you can learn. And But it does take practice. Absolutely. 
And it's tough. And so when people say, what is the magic formula? How do I just get there? Mm. I remember the podcast I did with Chris Capicello, who's the CMO of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And he said, Nadine, he's like, I read a book and I discovered it's all about proximity, which is exactly where you just started the conversation. It's about getting close, being there, walking in the shoes. And you're going to learn a lot because city is global. You're in so many different countries. You could segment all these consumers in 18,000 different ways, I'm sure. But between attitudinal segmentation and ethnic segmentation, even disposition segmentation, I mean, like, that's a lot of empathy you have to have. It it, it is. Look, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone um, not too long ago. Actually, it was when I was still at Toys R Us. And I was talking about the power of storytelling at the time, but I actually do think it relates really nicely to this idea of empathy as well and leading with empathy. If I said to you, hi, my name's Carla Hassan. I am the chief brand officer at City. I'm married and I have a child, right? You, you have a certain perspective of me. Mm-hmm. If I said to you, hi, I'm Carla Hassan. I'm the chief brand officer at City. I'm married. I am the mother of a cancer survivor. I am an immigrant to this country. The story changes a little bit in your mind. And you, A, could possibly find things in common with me. And B, you now know a little bit more about me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, for me, it's really, really important when you go into any situation at any level in your career to understand not just the, I mean, this relates to the people, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also talking about the business issues. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to go in and understand what the business issues are, what people on the ground deal with day in and day out, what their KPIs are and how different their KPIs are than yours. You put yourself in their situation, you can start to help them solve issues. And so For me, empathy is not just get to know who people are. I mean, we're not in a popularity Mm -hmm. contest here, right? Right. Um, It's it's about understanding what people have to deal with and their business issues day in and day out, as well as understanding who they are. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you get a really, really good sense of how you can help what value you can add into an organization. And that's very, very different than coming in and saying, I'm the chief brand officer at City and I'm responsible for, you know, the brand strategy and I'm going to come in and tell you what it's going to be and I'm going to police you on this and that. No, 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 no. You know, um, same thing when I was at PepsiCo, same thing when I was at Toys R Us. I think once you understand what the issues are, what people are dealing with, you really can be empathetic to both their personal and, more importantly, their business needs. So this is not just, like I said, a a personal thing. This is really a business imperative for me. Okay, so I have so many questions for you, but, you know, since you were just so honest and open about a couple of personal things on your end, help us get more empathetic. Like, two things I want to explore with you, Mm -hmm. if you're okay with it. Okay. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) One is your mom, mm-hmm. and you went through a really tough mm. situation with your daughter mm-hmm. and juggling your career and your family and this life crisis. Mm. Help me understand how you got through that time. And mm. then the second one is you also mentioned you were an immigrant in yeah. this country and you faced different kinds of challenges. Yeah. Help us be more empathetic. What Tell us a wow. little bit about that. Okay, you're, uh, yes. Thank you for the question, and I'll try to do it in as um, strong of a way as possible. I have the best husband in the world. I think having a support system is critical, and when our daughter Noor 
was diagnosed with Wilms tumor. She was four. Um, I worked at PepsiCo. And my husband and I just, we, we said we're in this together. And he was extremely supportive. There were days when I, you know, didn't want to talk. There were days when I did want to talk. And he just kind of let me deal with it the way that I needed to deal with it. Um, and I just think having a real support system at home is very, very important. I will also say that, you know, maybe this is my first public or uh, thanks to PepsiCo around this, but uh, they've received many private thanks. Mm. But Brad Jakeman, who was my boss at the time, was phenomenal and literally just said to people, listen, Carla's going to be gone. We don't know how long she's going to be gone for. Everything she's doing, come to me. And all the way to the top of the organization, Indra Nui, who was a CEO at the time, was unbelievably supportive. In fact, I will tell you that every time she saw me after the diagnosis of Noor, and, you know, towards the end of my tenure at PepsiCo, mm. sometimes it was every 10 days, you know, if yeah. we were presenting something to her, the first thing she would say to me is, how's my Noor? And so... You know, I got through it with a heck of a lot of support from Tarek, my husband, from my work at the time, from my family, um, and and my tribe around the world. I mean, everyone just supported us. And it's insane when you have that community, how much you can deal with. And so some people leaned in more than others. Some people wanted to know everything that was going on. Others were very quiet, but knew that we knew they were there mm-hmm. um, if we needed to talk to them. My sister, my brothers, my parents, my in-laws, I'm surrounded by a lot, a whole hell of a lot of love. And mm. I, I think you can only get through it with a whole group of people. And I will tell you, she is healthy and happy and independent today. She's 11 and a half. Yay! And she's wonderful. And there's not a day that goes by that both Tarek and I um, are not thankful that she's here. And I'll tell you, she's given us strength. Like, when you see her go through something like that, you kind of go, there's nothing I can't do. And Mm -hmm. everything else in life falls into place. Reflecting, though, on my story as an immigrant, I actually think that also is where I drew a lot of strength, to be honest. We moved here in 1990. I was young. I had just graduated high school. Um, We were in the U.S. visiting family for the summer holidays. The first Gulf War broke out. My parents decided that we were staying here. And that was my immigration story. And so we stayed in the U.S. And I had a very strong accent. And people made fun of the accent. And people called me unimaginable names that stay in my my heart and head. Mm -hmm. And you learn to sink or swim. And I I was resilient from then. And so I think... um, you learn what kind of a human you want to be at that point. And Mm -hmm. so for me, um, I found strength again with my family, with my community. I would say, unfortunately, because of the harassment I felt, I probably um, shed a lot of my Arabness and became Mm. really, really American, whatever the heck that means. (laughs) (laughs) I lost my accent. I wanted to be super American. I wanted nothing to do with the fact that I was Lebanese. Mm. Um, And then a couple years later, I thought, wait, I mean, I dream in Arabic. I speak Arabic. I'm from that part of the world. I was born there. I was raised there. It's impossible. That's who I am. And I have learned that leaning into that is actually what makes me who I am. And so that's why I feel like I always talk about authenticity as being key, too, because if you're not who you are, Mm -hmm. then really, who are you? And so, um, yeah, I think all of that kind of shapes my story and my resilience, I think, especially so. And, And why I feel so strongly that you just have to put yourself in the shoes of other people because you just never know 
who's going through what when mm-hmm. you make decisions and determinations about them through any setting, work or personal. Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, thank I you. absolutely adore you, and <laughs> I find you to be so inspirational, and it not nearly as as uh, severe as you just described. But I remember, you know, I come from. France and I shed the French language at first and I wouldn't speak French and I always told my mom who was trying to talk to me in French I don't want to speak that language mm-hmm. but then I was like wait a minute French is a beautiful language yeah. and uh, I jumped right back in yeah. and, and it's who you are and it's who I am it's who you, you are. Know, it, it is so I think that's a really interesting lesson and clearly everything you've went through has turned you into this beautiful oh, person that you. you are thank you and you have so much respect from the community and you know what's interesting to me is, and I can't help but be a little bit um, vindictive. I'll just use that word because I'm going to own it. Um, all those people who called you names, I don't think they're the chief brand officer of City today. I'm just saying. So you know who you are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I hope they're happy. Okay, let's talk about that. You being too nice. Yeah. Versus, well, well tell me, you said something to me about some people have said that you're too nice. Mm. But that doesn't mean you're not effective. That's right. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. Look, I mean, again, I think historically people have equated effectiveness in business with not being nice or being aggressive or, you know. And I think, again, if you let people work in their own styles authentically Mm -hmm. as who they are, they will shine and Mm -hmm. they will deliver results. And so, you know, look, I mean, I I have to say, it's not to say that I don't know when to bring the claws out Mm -hmm. if I need to or when to have a posture that's a little bit more aggressive. But in general, that's not where I start. Yeah. And, you know, I think in some of my experiences, people have, have said, oh, she's, you know, a little too nice. I've probably not gotten jobs because some people think I'm too nice. Mm -hmm. But on the whole, I've been effective and it's worked for me. And Mm -hmm. I know how to flex my style, when to be a little bit more aggressive and when not to be. And so I would say for anyone who's out there trying to grapple with that, because I think a lot of women do actually, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me, being a nice person is not a weakness. I don't think you can only be popular. So I think mm. you got to be careful. There, there is a line of some people that are so nice that they just bend over backwards for people mm. um, and they don't have a point of view. I think you have to stand your ground. Mm. I think you have to have a point of view. But it doesn't mean you don't have to do it with kindness. Um, mm. I mean, it's a line. It's a very thin line. And again, with practice mm-hmm. and with experience, you get comfortable with where you land in that yeah. spectrum. And so far in the long haul, it's worked for me because that's who I am. Absolutely. So what advice would you give somebody who who can relate to you, who's, who's, who's nice, who's empathetic, <laughs> who's driven, who's resilient? Is there something that they can do to help in situations where they're dealing with people who aren't like that? Someone once said to me, only focus on what you'll be able to control. And I think um, people who particularly have a high level of emotionality or a high EQ or whatever label you want to put on it, I think tend to try to fix everything and they put it on their own shoulders to try to make everything good or make everyone happy. And I think at the end of the day, you should just focus on what you can control. There's going to be noise around you in your career all the time. And there are so many things that will try to take your time that you just can't control. Once you understand what those are, you can really focus on the things that are within your control. And to me, that is really important. And within those things, I think be 
authentically yourself. Be curious. Ask a lot of questions. Be curious, particularly about the stakeholders in your organization, about the consumers you're talking to. I think that is really, really important. Um, Get out of your comfort zone. Um, Learn a a new language, particularly the language of technology. I think as marketers today, it's really, really important to understand that language. It's really important to be very close with your chief technology officer. Mm -hmm. But I think those are the things that I would you know, I would focus on particularly someone like me because it is a dichotomy. On the one hand, you are a nice person. You want to be kind to folks. And on the other hand, you're performance driven. And so I think balancing those two from a business standpoint, you also balance them from a character standpoint as well. So great. Excellent. And we are coming close to being out of time. And I, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about one thing that you did that was super cool this summer. Oh, I spent time with my parents. I went home. I went to Lebanon and I spent three weeks with my family. And as an adult who is married with a child, there is no greater gift than being able to, by yourself, spend time with your parents. Um, And that was honestly like, I'll never get that back, um, but I'll carry that with me forever. That is so cool. And then you came and jumped right into. The Henry... Oh, the Henry Crown Fellowship. Yes. Yes. Oh, that is... Oh, my gosh. Those two are up there together. I am a proud um, fellow at the Henry Crown Fellowship at the Aspen Institute. I got nominated by a few people, and I got accepted into this program, and it is life-changing. I have met... 22 other amazing people that have become family that push me every day to think differently about the world and about myself. And I have embarked on um, in the very, very early phases of creating a venture that hopefully will allow me to leave my legacy in the world, Mm. um, not just as a successful businesswoman, but as a significant leader in this world. So I'm very very excited about that. Wow, and so special. Like, I can't believe how just humble you are because you all these things happened this year, right? <laughs> all these things just kind of like all came together, and voila, I'm sitting here looking here at the are. new chief brand officer of City who's just beaming. Oh, thank you. And I'm so excited that I could spend any time with you at all in this very busy time. Thank you. Thank you. No. It, honestly, it's my, my pleasure. Oh, well, we're going to have to have you back after you're in I'd your role that. and can't wait to see and hear about all your... And I'd love that. All the cities you're going to go to. I want to go with you. Just keep it. <laughs> if, you have, if you need a bag carrier, that's me. So, yeah. Well, Carl, thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. Uh, with everything. We'll talk thank soon. You. Yes. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.